Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, so glad you're here. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And we are in a series called Didn't See It Coming. want to welcome those of you watching uh, online and our other campuses as well. I'm wrapping it up this week, and this has really been great, the feedback we've got. It's based on a book by Carrie Newoff called Didn't See It Coming, pretty loosely, uh, but would encourage you to read that. It's really not going to cover a lot of the same material, but it helps us to deal with these things that everyone experiences, uh, but no one really expects. Uh, Next week, I'm kicking off a new series called Fearless. Uh, In the Bible, uh, there are 365 times that we are told not to be afraid. Do not fear. Uh, And now some of you are afraid right now because you're afraid it's going to be a 365-week series. Uh, That is not going to be the case. Uh, We're going to just look at where these uh, do not fear statements really intersect our lives, especially as we come uh, and prepare for Easter. There's opportunities to uh, volunteer. I hope you'll check those out as we expect uh, thousands of guests across our campuses uh, for uh, that weekend. Uh, I'm also going to be sharing some of the vision for our future together as a church where God is leading us in in this next season. And so you won't want to miss it, especially next week uh, as we kick off the series. I think it's going to be encouraging uh, to you. As we think of mission, uh, we don't often think of the holiday that we have this weekend, which is what? St. Patrick's Day, yeah, a lot of green out there, uh, you know, that don't pinch anyone, that's a little creepy, but anyway, as we have uh, St. Patrick's Day, we don't usually think of mission, we think of guys like this uh, here, uh, yeah, (laughs) or uh, maybe something like this. Now, here's the thing, some of you don't even see anything wrong with that. Uh, And then uh, there's this, I feel bad for this. And I don't know, I feel like we should call PETA on this one. Yeah, really sad. Well, the funny thing is, St. Patrick, uh, there really was a guy named Patrick. Uh, For those of you who are from a Catholic tradition where they actually sort of say who is a saint and who isn't, uh, he really was never officially a saint. He was never canonized. Uh, But he did have an interesting life. At 16 years old, uh, around uh, 400, the year 400, uh, he had really rejected faith. He was raised in northern Britain uh, in a a Christian home, and he he said, you know, I don't need God. I I really, uh, and he walked away from God. Well, he was taken captive by some raiders who sold him into slavery into what was pagan Ireland. Uh, Ireland was a place where there were uh, virtually no Christians whatsoever. A couple of people had gone to share faith. They're not successful at all. And while he was there in slavery, he, he had a lot of time, he said, to pray. And, and God sort of spoke to him about his pride, and, and, and he did business with God and came into a faith with Jesus Christ. 
Well, he was able to escape from Ireland and go back to Britain. And it was years later, as he was in his early 40s and around 433 A.D., uh, he went back to that place where he, he was enslaved, and he started to share about faith in Jesus Christ. And, and God worked in this now humble person in a powerful way, and Christianity spread like wildfire in a way it never had before. And as we think about uh, what God does when we're humble, we also need to understand what comes before humility is, can be a pride, and not the good kind of pride like, hey, I'm proud of my kids or the sports team, but, but the bad kind, and I'm going to get into that, and how pride often leads to regret. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And see, there can be a misunderstanding that uh, between confidence and pride. Uh, I believe everyone, God calls us to have a confidence, a God-sized confidence. But that's different than pride. Not everyone who's confident is, is a proud person in a negative way. In fact, you really can't have that. Pride comes from trying to prove ourselves, trying to make ourselves sort of be better than we are in a sense. And why is this so important to deal with? Because I, I've been on the other end, and it, not only does the Scripture say 300 times uh, it talks about pride in the Bible, uh, and, and, and by the way, if you want a summary of all 300 verses, pride bad, humility good. Okay, let's close in prayer. That's all I got for you today. Uh, uh, no, really what I want to do is I want to dissect what, what that happens, because I, I've, certain, I've seen business partnerships end over pride. I've seen people uh, financially ruined over pride, spiritually bankrupt, uh, certainly a number of uh, divorces and breakups. See, see, pride has some consequence. If you're here and you say, hey, I, I'm not a Christ follower, I don't ever intend to be, this is important because it's about your life success, your career success, your financial success, your relational success. But if you're a, someone who is a follower of Christ, even more so, it's about how we engage with God. So why uh, does pride lead to regret? There's uh, four areas I want us to look at. One is we take foolish risks. We take risks that we shouldn't uh, take, and, you know, I think about this because uh, especially guys of a certain age around my age, oftentimes, you know, we will go to the gym or on the basketball court, and we're like, I can take those guys, and we do, and we really, I mean, you know, it, it, let's hear it for, and we do right up until the point we're at the physical therapist's office. And, uh, yeah, and then we're there, and we're uh, overcoming our pride. Now, that's sort of a funny one, and we, in the Bible, though, we were given examples in life. King David, who, uh, his pride said, hey, I don't need to do my duties. He stayed home in a time of war, went up to the top of his castle, oversaw Jerusalem, the highest point in the city. And we, and really, you can read in between the lines what he was up to. He was going to be unfaithful to his people to his spouse, and where he could see where women would be bathing on the roofs uh, so there could be a sense of privacy, but not from him, and usually after they'd had their monthly cycle, and so he had this plan, and he sees Bathsheba, and he begins 
uh, an unbalanced and illicit sexual relationship. But he had it all planned. He's like, well, it's that time of the month. It's going to be safe. And by the way, that's why we have a, a name for people who practice the rhythm method of birth control. We call you parents. <laughs> and, and that's sort of a, a what, what happened to him because he thought he'd just get away with it. And how many of us, and it, and it could be that situation or another, it's the same thing. And we overload our life. We, we, we believe, you know, hey, we can do it all. And here's the thing. A lot of you are smart people. You can do it all, but you cannot do it all well. There's not one of you who can be, where you say, I'm going to just do everything, and I can tell you what, there's going to be areas where it's better off if you didn't even try. So we'll uh, lean into every area of life, and then we're neglecting whether it's our health or our finances or our kids or marriage or career. And the Bible talks about prioritizing our life. And then we become uh, very judgmental. And, and this is, so I use the word judgmental because in our society, we've sort of gone a little crazy, like we're getting crazier by the week. Have you noticed that? Yeah, you know, that, that literally, uh, you know, well, you can't, well, you shouldn't judge anything or anyone. That's not true. No one lives that way. That, you, there are some things you should judge. If someone breaks into your house and steals your stuff, you shouldn't say, hey, I'm not going to judge you, man. You know, what, if it's right for you, then you just do your thing. I, I mean, and seriously, no, seriously, we depend on certain things. It's just like when you're going down the road. There's a speed limit. You're going down uh, the 202 highway. You're to drive 55. Some of you drive 65. Some of you drive 35. And can I talk to you for a moment? No. <laughs> Use another road. Anyway, uh, I have places to go. <laughs> but uh, the truth is, we, you can make judgments. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are areas that are sort of Yes, there's a, a right and a wrong, but there's this whole huge area where uh, we get to make our own best decisions. And oftentimes what happens is we take a place of God, and God is a judge, and we're not the judge. He has not outsourced that. He's totally kept that for Himself. And we take on that role of God. And then what this will lead to is we can devalue other people. And, and so we sort of view people uh, as less than. Uh, you know, the, the greatest thing, you're not going to get this uh, in society uh, at all. Like I say, I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, the, the more we find this even, if you look at, it's not just our country, if you travel around the world, uh, in, in Western cultures, uh, division just increases and increases. And I think it's because secularization leads to massive division. You don't find this in other parts of the world where, where uh, people are coming to greater faith. Because then it's just about my way, and it's not about what the, the Scripture says something unequivocally that everyone is created in the image of God. Every single person is created in the image of God. Of God. And so, if you know, you, you go your own way, there's, we see the horror, like this week in, in New Zealand, people are gunned down at a couple mosques. 
because they were viewed as, as less than. And we saw it before that at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh and, and in Charleston at a church. And yeah, it just seems to be no respecter of, 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 of faith. Or, but, it, but it's fundamentally an idea that someone is not created in the image of God. And, you, you know, and by the way, you might say, well, are you sort of saying that, you, you know, uh, that it's all the same? No, I'm not, I'm not endorsing. I, I, see, I believe that Christian theology and understanding of God is really the only accurate representation of God. And that whether it's secularism, Hinduism, Islam, whatever, is an inaccurate picture of God. Yet I believe that every Hindu and Buddhist and Muslim and atheist is created in the image of God. And so, we are to value every single person like that. And here's the whole thing. I, I have an agenda. I got to tell you that. And here's my agenda. Uh, you might be here and say, hey, I'm not a God person. And that's, you can come here, you can eat our donuts and drink the coffee. And, uh, and, and really, no shame in that at all. But my agenda is that you would know God personally in a powerful way in His love for you. And here's one thing that I've learned is that if people think you hate them, it's pretty hard to talk to them about a God that loves them. And so, God calls us to be radically faithful to Him and what the Scripture says because that is truth. And Jesus says, I'm the truth, the way, and the life. And radically loving to people who are created in the image of God. It's, you don't have to balance. They're actually two parts of the same whole. And, and Jesus tells a story, and it's interesting that the story, He tells us who He was speaking to, uh, and, and the story is about pride and regret and humility and how they all go together. And so, I want you to look at this story with two points, and here's what it says. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Do you know anyone like that? Yeah, they, no, they all go to another church. I know that. They all live in a different community. Certainly, they don't live in King County. Uh, yeah, no, they, uh, this is, uh, I think, about 100% of the people where we sort of are at. Uh, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and when you hear that, you hear, yay! We always think, you know, if you're like a, I wasn't raised with the Bible, then we hear Pharisee and we think, oh, they were the bad people. Actually, they were the good people. They were really, they were like the back of the Bible movement. Now, now they'd gotten off track like all of us can get off track. So, people thought, Pharisee, good person. But we're going to see this, this guy had some attitude problems. And then the other, a tax collector. And people would hear, tax collector, boo. Back in that day, people didn't like tax collectors. <laughs> How about now? I'm not saying anything. Uh, Anyway, the, uh, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Whenever you pray about yourself, you have a problem. Do you know that? And he says this, God, and basically, God, I thank you because I am so awesome. Uh, God, I thank you I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. And then you can almost see him turn, or even like this tax collector. Can you imagine if that was, if I said, let's all pray, and someone next to you was saying, God, I thank you I'm not like bad people, especially her. 
You know, and, and that guy's feeling pretty bad. He says, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you the truth, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. And get this, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, Jesus tells this story, and He tells it, yes, as a cautionary tale, but He also tells it as a way forward. See, it really has two points. Whether you feel like I, I'm the tax collector, I'm the one who's saying, God, I don't even deserve to be in Your presence. And I know all of us feel like that. Or maybe we feel maybe a little too good about ourselves, like, hey, God, You're lucky to have me on Your team. Here's the point. Only humility will get you out of what pride got you into. If you say, I'm a little bit more of a Pharisee, and we all have a little bit of Pharisee in all of us, or maybe you say a little more like the tax collector, there is always a way forward. See, the Apostle Paul was someone, if you think about it, quite remarkable. If you've ever really studied uh, history and especially religion and faith. You're not going to find someone like the Apostle Paul because it messes up. If you were writing a religious book, you would not have him in your religious book. And by the way, that, that's one of the validations, these crazy stories, that this Bible is true. Because you wouldn't have this guy who was a persecutor of Christians, who really didn't like Christians at all. And then God actually, He doesn't zap him. Because if I was writing a religious book, I would say, and then a lightning bolt, and took him out in the name of Jesus. And that's sort of, actually, that's what you find in other faiths and worldviews. But instead, God says, Paul, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me? As he's, why do you, and there's this image of, why, why are you doing this? And God speaks to, honestly, maybe one of the most vile persons of the day. And He says, there's a way back. There's a way to me. And interestingly enough, it's at that moment, just like remember we, we talked about St. Patrick, sort of in the worst day of his life, becomes the best day of his life. The reason why people even know he exists today. He says, I've got a plan for you. And if you, here's the whole thing, if you say, God doesn't have a plan for me, then my only question for you is, how come you haven't gotten to know God? Because God, He does this, He always uses people who are unlikely. God uses those who are available. And the Apostle Paul, as he considered all the bad things he'd done in his life, he said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I have regrets, but I'm not going to live in regret. I've been proud, but I'm not going to live that foolish way anymore. And I think for us, one of the great things is we can go a different way. Here's the thing, a lot of people won't. A lot of people won't, and there is a way forward. So if you find yourself in maybe a, a season of regret, 
and I think every one of us have, for things done, for things undone. What does it take to live beyond regret? Number one, vulnerability in ownership. I, I was going to say honesty, and, and honesty is important. Uh, honesty is a huge value uh, just for me personally. You know, I'm talking to people uh, in church, even on our staff team, and I say, hey, everyone struggles. The only thing that's hard for me to navigate is if we're not truthful with one another. So it starts with honesty, and then there needs to be a vulnerability in that. Brene, Brene Brown uh, has, has a great TED Talk, I think 15, 20 million views on that. James in the Bible, it's interesting, uh, James is the guy, he was the rule guy in the Bible. People love the book of James because it says, if you love God, you're going to show it by your actions. And you're like, yeah, that's me, I want to do that. But you know what else he says? He says, we all stumble in many ways. Will you underline all? The Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Every person, you, the person to your right, person to your left, yeah, you can look at them and say, you know what, you're a sin. No, don't say that to them. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Number two, it's commitment to a new direction. It's uh, that I'm going to determine a new path. Andy Stanley uh, wrote a book called The Principle of the Path, and honestly, it's not Mensa Society stuff, but it is profound in its own in its own sense. And he says this, and I think I would agree with him, that the primary thing that determines your destination, it's not your intention, because we've all heard, you know, my mom used to love to say, even though she was not religious, the road to you know where is paved with good intentions. The, it's not our intention, it's not our background, it's not our education. It's really the direction it's the path we choose out to, to go on, because our path will lead us to a destination. And I know that's sort of, you know, uh, especially spiritually, people say, well, you know, all paths lead to the same place. You know, that's, that's, do you know that you've radically disrespected every religious person in the world? That if you went to any faithful Hindu or Muslim, or, they'd, they'd, they'd be so radically offended at that notion. And I would say that, as Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that not only does history and experience and everything, it just, man, you can have a confident faith. It's sort of like, a, you know, you go down a road, and a road's going to lead you someplace. You get on an airplane, and you don't get on an airplane and say, oh, all airplanes lead to San Diego. No, I, I think I shared the story. Uh, I'm not, not, maybe I haven't, but uh, I was traveling and, and travel a little bit, and I was at SeaTac, and you know those little planes where you go outside uh, and, and get on a plane, and you don't just go right from the terminal? And so I was uh, on it, and sometimes there'll be uh, uh, planes, and, and I got on a plane, and as I'm getting on the plane, someone says, Oh, man, I can't believe it. I'm glad I'm going to L.A. I almost got on the plane to Portland. Do you know where I was traveling to? Portland. And so I didn't just say, you know what, I believe all planes eventually end up in Portland. No, I went, I, I, got, I had to get on a new plane. 
And the truth is, if we just use the logic that God's given us, we would, we would know that. You say, oh, it's just, a, uh, it's just a few dollars. It's not a few dollars. It's a path. Oh, it's just a date. It's not a date. I remind my daughters of this. It can be a path. That's just a little gossip. It's a little, that's not going to hurt anyone. I've heard people say that. No, that's a path. It says this in Proverbs 22.3, the prudent person sees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly and suffers the consequences. So the question is, is am I going a new direction? Am I going more than intention? Last week, uh, we talked about things we didn't see coming uh, and how, you know, uh, our worlds change. Uh, in fact, I, I, I am, uh, we talked about maps, and you remember maps. And now we have our phones, and our phones tell us where to go. Isn't this a wonderful thing, a gift from God? I'm convinced that there are a million people who are not divorced today because of GPS. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it, so my, my wife and I, we were, when we lived down in San Diego, we were flying up to Vancouver, Canada. Uh, we were there, I think, for a marriage event, ironically. Uh, and uh, we uh, came early, and uh, I was driving around, and, and we were lost. And what happens when you get lost? You blame one another, right? Yeah, because you got to find out whose fault. I knew we were lost because I kept on circling the same needle exchange truck. I knew I was not in a great part of Vancouver. And, and, and then we're driving, and I'm trying to find place, and I'm saying, hey, uh, you, you know, you need to do a better job. And I handed her a map that showed where all the Denny's are in Vancouver. And, uh, and then we're, you know, we go by, and we end up with, like we're going by the red light district. And I said, hey, you just need to read the map. And I got to tell you, that brought us together. Uh, yeah, we really, at that point, our relationship became real close. And so my wife looks at me, she rips up the map in little pieces and said, here's your map. Uh, do not cheer her. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing is, is how many of us are like that where we don't know how we get in the situation and what we're trying to do is who can I blame? Who's at fault for my problems? When did it become okay to outsource responsibility for our life? I'm not saying bad things haven't happened to you, that people haven't meant you harm, but it says greater is he who is in you than who is in the world. So if I let Jesus become big in my life, even though there's other people who have done me harm, maybe they, they don't seek well for me, that I can say, okay, God, what's my direction? We need to stop asking, is it wrong? Uh, there are things that are wrong, but you know that there's things in the, the Bible doesn't talk about? It doesn't talk about how much time you should spend on the internet, how much money you should spend at the mall. It doesn't talk about how much Netflix you should watch, but I think quite a bit. <laughs> and, uh, there are certain things that are, yes, right and wrong, but a better question is this, is start asking, is it wise? Is it, is it wise for me to talk to the people in my orb that way? Is it wise for me to maybe live this way or eat this way or drink that much? Or... And when we ask that, see, the great thing is we stop looking for loopholes and we start moving forward. Number three, trade smugness for compassion. 
See, oftentimes what will happen is uh, we, we like to think of ourselves better than someone else, right? Because then we, we can feel better, I can feel better about me if you're a little bit worse than I am. It says this in the Scripture, the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And, and the idea there is, yes, there's a sense of, of, of compassion in society, and, I, and, and we have that, and, we sh- and it's something that's important. But literally, if you read back in that day, there was a whole class of people that could never get out of their circumstance. And there was a smugness of saying, ah, they probably deserve it. Anne Lamont, uh, a writer, uh, in her book, Traveling Mercies, she tells she was uh, down in California, out on the beach, and there was a guy who was being really mean to his dog. And, and she was very, very angry at it. And she was thinking, man, I don't like this guy. This guy's a total jerk. And she was thinking, hey, I, don't, I think God has a special place in hell for people like this. And she was like, she's a God doesn't like. And then she said, in a moment of reflection, she started thinking about her life and the things that she had done. And then she thought, well, what if God doesn't like me because of what I've done? And she says in the book that her mind went back to where when she was at church and there was a couple that was presenting uh, about a ministry called uh, Ask, Adopt Special Kids. And uh, it was for kids who had some challenging backgrounds. And the lady who was sharing talked about how they'd come to adopt their little son. And first they had to fill out a questionnaire. Could you adopt an addicted baby, a child with a terminal illness? with a mild mental disability, with a moderate mental disability, with tendencies towards violence with others. And she ticked off the list and checked each box and then cried. The lady standing there said she realized that God was a parent who had chosen all of us. Jesus said, I'll take the terminal, the broken, the liars, the mess-ups, and the adulterers. And He's chosen you. He looks at you, and He sees more than the sum of your mistakes and your sin. He sees who He's created you to be, if you will step into that. Say, does that happen for everyone? No, it doesn't. It happens when you humble yourself and say, God, I need you. God, I I, I need you in my life. Yes, I'm thankful for what I've done and what I've achieved, but God, I I, I want to be my very best and honor you. And this happens, number four, when we repurpose our regret. See, we all have regret in our life. We, uh, we, we get the example of the nation of Israel where they had disobeyed God, and they had time and time again gone their own way, and they said, God, we don't need you. And God said, okay, I'll let you see how that works out for you. And then God doesn't just give up on them. We read through the prophet Joel 2.25. He says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, if, if we are faithless, He will remain faithful. We see that as we talked about uh, St. Patrick on Pat, St. Patrick's Day, how God used that most difficult moment in His life for something amazing. I got a call this week and was talking on the phone with someone who I, I, I really haven't uh, talked to him in a, in a number of years, sort of kept track of him. Uh, I was pastoring down in San Diego uh, 
uh, before I came back up to the Northwest about 10 and a half, 11 years ago. And as I was there, there was a guy who came into my office. His name's Fido. And uh, he had, he was a bit of a mess. Uh, he had a drug problem and then got arrested on a drug charge. And uh, his wife was mad at him. Can you imagine that? And uh, he, his life was a mess. And, and, and as we talked about it, I, he reminded me that I, that I just said, hey, you know, there's a lot of questions in your life, and we can't, the big question, you've got to answer the big questions first, and how big are you going to let Jesus be in your life? And he had never really done that. He'd come from more a ritualistic faith, and he reminded me that we prayed, and, and he accepted Jesus in his life. Well, he, he'd come to the church, and he was growing in his faith, and, and uh, he uh, uh, had to work through the legal issues. And since he came in this country as an undocumented alien and now had a, 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 a felony charge, he knew he was going to be deported. And uh, he said, man, I just feel like I'm growing in my faith and now all of this is going to be de derailed. And I said something that moment, and I don't know if it was God or not, and I, I just said, you know, who knows? If this circumstance, which seems like the worst day in your life, that God just might use as the most powerful thing you'll ever do in life. So he went down and, and just all the, the stuff he had to go through and the legal, all of those issues. And uh, he went down a number of years ago. He started a, a church. He started a ministry there for uh, primarily with a lot of uh, people who uh, had... Uh, were English speakers in that country, and now he shared that there are hundreds of people coming every weekend and hearing about faith in Jesus Christ and how they're planting another church and how they have a whole ministry center for a bunch of people on, honestly, the worst days in their life, about 3,000 people a month coming in through that. And he said, he says, I feel like God has given me a new assignment, and I'm calling it Reassignment Hope. And he's taking what was a hard day and some bad decisions and some regret. And now there will be many people, when they stand before God, they'll say, you know what? There was this guy who was in this situation, and it was tough, and it was hard. But he shared a hope that was bigger than that situation. And my question for you is, is, what does God want to do in your life? Maybe it's something you've done. Maybe it was something that was done to you. And God wants you to, to repurpose that regret. The Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. And it, you know what that's called? That's called justice. That's called being fair. If God gives us what we deserve, then we pay the price for every wrong thing we've ever done. But the cross of Jesus Christ says something else. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's called grace. And that's what God offers to you, and that's what God offers to me. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.